Hey, thanks for being with us again. We really appreciate it. Uh, what a wonderful day to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. You're probably here this morning uh, because of the resurrection of Jesus. You're here to celebrate his life and his death. Maybe you're here because you got drugged here by some family. Maybe this just seems sort of like a, a decent day to try out church. Either way, whatever the case may be, we're just glad you're with us. Can we just say that? We're honored that you're here. We're thankful for your presence with us. We hope that you'll come be with us again at South City. Uh, for those of you who are sort of new to church, maybe you're not familiar with church stuff. Uh, sometimes coming into an Easter service can feel a little, bit, a little bit like going into a movie that's like halfway played out. Right? You get there and you're kind of like, okay, I'm not sure what that's about or what that's about. So I want to just take just a couple of minutes and bring you up to speed in case you're not, okay, on what we're talking about. We're talking about Jesus' death. Well, how did he, how did he die? What, did that, what, what does that mean? What happened here, right? Let me tell you this story, this beautiful story of the gospel. You see, God created a perfect planet. And in his perfection, he created Adam and Eve. They're perfect. They're having a blast until they weren't because they sinned. They made a choice to be separate from God. They made a choice to disobey God. They made a choice to go in on their own. And when they sinned, we sinned. Literally, sin was in our DNA. Uh, the Bible says in Romans 3 that every single one of us, every person in humanity is sinful. Not one of us is good. Not one of us is righteous. No one. No one. And the bad news about our sinfulness is this. We have to pay for our sinfulness. The way the Bible puts it, it says the wages of sin is death. What it's talking about is not only death now and here because we live uh, in a way that is separate from God's design and, and desire for us. But at, at the point where we die, we will die an eternal death in a very real place called hell. That's the bad news. You pay for your sin. The good news, however, this morning, and also what we celebrate, is the gospel of Jesus. That's literally what the gospel means. It means the good news. And the good news is, is that you don't have to pay for your sin. Jesus has paid for your sin. He died on a cross, right? He was willing to come to this earth in the form of a human baby, live a sinless life, and die on a sinner's cross. He didn't deserve to because he was righteous and holy and perfect. But he died on that cross and in doing so took God's holy wrath upon himself. He said, give me the sin of the world and place it on me. And he took all the sin of all the world, past, present, and future, upon his shoulders. And the Bible says that it was such a, a, an ungodly uh, torture and judgment upon him. His face didn't even look human. And he died on the cross for you and for me. And with that death, he says that we can access his holiness. It's called the great exchange. We exchange his holiness for our sinfulness. We say, Lord, take our sinfulness. I believe that you died. And the Bible says if we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that he is Lord, he, he's died on that cross and Jesus raised, the Lord raised him from the dead, then we will be saved. It's not a matter of maybe. It's a matter of confidence, right? It's a matter of fact, and so today, if you're walking in here and you want to know what is all this Easter stuff, what is it about the death of Jesus? Well, you need to know the whole story. 
that God had a plan for your redemption. That word redemption just means payment. He had a plan to save humankind before he even created it. The Bible says in Revelation that the, the, the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. God had a plan. And he sends Jesus to die for us. And if we know him, it's because we placed our trust fully upon him as our substitute for our sin. Right? So today is a day where we celebrate a couple of things. We celebrate the death of Jesus on the cross as our substitute. And we celebrate the fact that he's not dead. He's alive. God raised him from the dead. I'm glad the story didn't end in the garden. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 21 and 22 this morning. It says, for as by a man came death, by a man has come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die. Adam brought sin and everyone was infected by this cancer called sin. We're all dying from it. But look here. So all die in Adam, so in Christ shall all be made alive. He is our way out. He is our hope. This is the good news of the gospel. But the gospel is sort of like a two-sided coin. Right, we have the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. There's two sides. 1 Corinthians 15, 17 says this. If Christ had not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. These two moments in human history are the greatest moments of mankind. Christ's death, Christ's resurrection. And as we believe in his death and resurrection, we can know this God. This holy God through the sacrifice of his son. But I think you probably heard most of that. Most of us, right? You've probably come to many Easter services and you've talked about the resurrection. Or you've heard about the resurrection. You've heard about the death of Christ. But there's more to our salvation than just a ticket to heaven. There's more to our salvation than just salvation of our soul. There's also life right here and right now, and, and all of us are living it. All of us are walking through some aspect of, of, of life that may be a difficult moment. And if it's not happening now, maybe you just came through it. And if, you, if, if that's not the case, you're probably going to go into it because that's what we do in this place, this fallen nature called earth. But thank God that the resurrection plays a part in the life that we live. Not just the eternal life that we will live. John 10.10, Jesus says this. He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I'm so glad God wants me to have abundant life. Life right here, right now. Here, here's what I think. You know, there's a lot of people in the church. We live these compartmentalized lives. We, we set over here church life. And we sit over here the rest of life. We say, this is, this is what I'll give to church. You know, we kind of mix up the idea of tithing. We say, I'm going to tithe my life. I'll give 10% to God. And then the 90%, that's mine. I get to do whatever I want. No. That's not how it works. But that's what we do, isn't it? Lord, here's just a little piece of me. I'll just I'll set this over here. But the rest of me, no, that's, that's mine. I'll do what I want. I'll live how I want. And we compartmentalize our lives. You know, I think the reason we do that, I'll give you two different possible uh, reasons we do that. The first one is this. It's possible that we don't know Jesus as our Savior. 
It's possible that we think salvation is something to do with church attendance and some theological construct that doesn't affect who we are and how we live. That's a real possibility. We think that it has to do with, with, with coming at a certain time or, or doing this thing or that thing, and, and it's not about what we believe and how it changes us to know Jesus as our Savior. Some of us know Christ, and we do the same thing. I, in fact, if I'm being honest, this is my story. I was really good at compartmentalization. I, I had it down. I thought I could look this way at church on Sundays, and I could do whatever I wanted the rest of my life, as long as I just look this way. As long as I kind of occasionally show up and put on the face, I'm good. Hey, everybody. I'm doing fine, right? And I was broken and dying inside. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't let that be seen at church, and so I compartmentalized. Friends, it almost killed me. And I'm so thankful that God loves me enough to bring trials and difficulty and pain into my life to wake me up to the truth of his gospel and show me that there shouldn't be two lives and two me's, right? There ought to be a synthesized life lived for Christ. There ought to be a, a one life lived for him, honoring him, knowing him, living for him. I think part of the problem for me, friends, is this. I didn't understand the resurrection power of Jesus. And this is what I want to speak to you about this morning. The resurrection power of Jesus. It's unbelievable. And Jesus, in the story of Lazarus, gives us a hint at what it is. And I want us to look at that together. John eleven twenty three, 23, story of Lazarus. Let me give you some um, context here. Jesus is dear friends with this man named Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha. They live in a little town a couple of miles from Jerusalem called Bethany. And anytime Jesus could get away with his disciples, they would go to Bethany to spend time with this family. Jesus hears that Lazarus is sick. He knows he's sick, and he chooses to not go to Lazarus to heal Lazarus. Not because he's unloving, but because he wants to show something that Mary and Martha have never seen. Lazarus has never experienced. And so he stays away. Well, he stays away for a couple of days, and Lazarus dies. So he tells his disciples, guys, we got to go to Bethany. Lazarus has died. And so they're making their way there, and Martha hears that Jesus is coming into town. So she gets out of the house, leaves Mary in the house. Martha's going towards Jesus. She finds Jesus on the way to Bethany, and she says, Master, if you were only here, you could have healed my brother. And that's where I want us to pick up the story in John eleven twenty three. 23. Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Right? I, I know that we believe a theological construct that says on the last day he'll rise again. I get that much. Jesus says, no, 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 no. I am the resurrection and the life. Me. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. It's my prayer that today, in this time, that we'll take a look at what it means to live with resurrection power to change us. Will you pray with me as we get into this message? Lord, we love you. Thank you for a beautiful time of celebration and worship. 
But God, I pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit of the living God that you would take your word as we read it and transfer it to our hearts and to our lives. Spirit, ignite truth in us that only you can do. I pray that you would increase in this place, that I would decrease and stay out of your way. Lord, I pray that your spirit would lead us to all truth and help us to understand how to live with resurrection power in life. And we pray it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We come to an Easter service like this. And naturally we talk about the fact that Jesus was resurrected from the grave. Praise God. It's wonderful. We talk about the fact that what led him to that resurrection was his death. Praise God. We even talk about one day when we die, and I'm so thankful, i got to tell you, last night I was making some soup for my family for dinner. And uh, it's a soup that my mom used to make all the time, wonderful soup. I'm sure it's not near as good as hers. And I just had this desire to call her and ask her a question about it. She passed away just a little over a year ago. So when I talk about the power of the resurrection of Jesus to raise us from death to life, I believe it. It means something to me. I know I'll see my mom again. I know that on the last day, Jesus will raise those of us in Christ from death to life. He will give us resurrected bodies. I believe that. But I also want us to see that Jesus wasn't talking about the resurrection on the last day. When he said, no, 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 I'm the resurrection and the life. Do you get that? Do you get that a relationship with me takes you from death to life right now? You don't have to wait for resurrection day to have resurrection power. You don't. That's what I want you to see this morning. We don't have to wait for resurrection power. We can have that right now. Today, God is willing to raise our souls in new life. He said... I love this part of the story. He says uh, that to Martha, and then he says, all right, where's he at? He goes to the tomb, and he prays this prayer, and and the Bible says he prays it out loud, something like this. Lord, I'm praying out loud so that these people around me will believe. I'm praying out loud so that these people hear me praying to you and see that you are the resurrection and the life. Lazarus, come forth. And a man dead four days walks out of a tomb with grave clothes on. And Jesus says, unwrap him from those clothes and set him free. And Martha all of a sudden understood that she didn't have to wait till resurrection day for resurrection. Everything changed. What in our lives can change or be brought to life because of the resurrection power of Jesus? I believe there's some death probably in all of us that needs that kind of power. Romans 6, 4 says, Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Paul's not talking about a resurrection here at at death. He's talking about living in newness of life. He's talking about how we live. He's talking about not living in those grave clothes that we live in sometimes, but instead living in newness, life, in Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus, by the way, listen, it gives us everything we need. In life. That's what Paul says to Timothy. Everything you need for life and godliness is given to you in Jesus. To be made new. To change. To grow. To live. For joy. For peace. 1 Corinthians 6.14 says, God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Uh, Friends, 
I'm convinced that we don't have a clue as to how much power we have in this resurrection power of Jesus. We've been in a series the last several months in the book of Ephesians, and I I love it. We were in the first chapter of Ephesians, and, and I was teaching through this book. And we come to the end of the book, and it's Paul praying a prayer. This beautiful prayer. Remember, Paul's in prison when he writes Philippians. I mean, Ephesians and Philippians. But he's in prison. He, he's, he's tied to a guard. And yet, somehow, he, he writes this amazing treatise on the church. And at the end of chapter 1, he prays a prayer for the believers of Ephesus. And he says, I just want them to know you. I want them to have wisdom. And he just says all these beautiful things about knowing Christ. And God tweaked something in my heart. That day, months ago, for this day, today. I want us to read that if we can. This prayer of Paul, Ephesians 1.17. In his prayer he says that, God, uh, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened and to know the hope which he has called you. Now, just a minute here. I'm not going to re-preach the message, but look at all the ways he wants us to know God, to have wisdom, to have a revelation, to have knowledge, to have an understanding from our hearts, to know this hope to which we're called, which is the gospel of Jesus. He also said, uh, this hope to which he is called, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, right? And then this is the verse that the Lord just Set on my heart and, and just I've been thinking about and praying about since we taught it so many months ago. Verse 19 says, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Paul says from a place of experience Friends, I just want you to know this Jesus that I know. I just want you, to, I want you to have wisdom. I want him to give you a revelation of who he is. I want you to understand his heart. I, I want you to get it, friends. I pray that the eyes of your heart are enlightened. I, in every way I can say it, I want you to get it. I want you to get it. This hope, which is the gospel, this family, which is the church, and this power we have in the resurrection of Jesus. Is Paul talking about when we're resurrected at the end of our lives, at the end of time? No, he's talking about a power to live. He's talking about a power to change. He's talking about a power to go from being this person to being this person. And he's speaking a testimony of his own from personal experience. Do you remember who Paul used to be? He wasn't always St. Paul, right? He was Saul. Named after the first king of Israel who was tall, strong, boisterous, man's man, big. And yet later in his life when he comes to Christ, he changes his name to Paul or his Greek name Paulus, which means small, humble. Do you remember who Saul was? Let me, let me list Saul's laundry list of brokenness. That's what I like to call it. He was a zealous Jew. He was a murderer, he was an abuser, he was arrogant, he was violent, he was a bully. You wouldn't like Paul. 
and then he met Jesus. Jesus shows up in his life in such a way that everything changes. That's what happens when Jesus shows up in your life. Everything changes. And he went from being a bully and a murderer and abuser to being humble, to seeking God, to serving God. And he gives the rest of his life until he gives his head in Rome for the cause of Christ and the church. What could make such a change in a person's life? What could take such a madman and turn him into a servant who wants to know Christ, who wants to make him known and gives his life for many years until he actually gives his life in martyrdom? Let me ask this question this morning. What is your laundry list of brokenness? What is my laundry list of brokenness? Every one of us has one because we've all sinned. Remember that? No one is righteous. We all have a list. Some of these uh, things on our list are things we've chosen. Some are things that have been done to us. Maybe you've been abused. And that's part of your story. Maybe you've been an abuser. Maybe you've been an addict, an alcoholic, or a user. Maybe you've been uh, divorced. Maybe you're a child of divorce. Maybe right now you're trapped in debt or porn or lies or deceit or deception uh, or depression, uh, uh, hopelessness, evil. What is your list of brokenness? And right now, I bet you can think of a few things. I know I can't. See, the thing is, is the list and what's on the list doesn't matter. But some of you still live from that place. Some of you are still playing these tapes that the world said, this is who you are. You're dumb. You're not enough. You'll never amount to anything. You can't do it. And these tapes just play in your mind from your history, from your childhood, from your mistakes, from your brokenness and your sin. But I want you to know that is not what happens when we come to know Jesus. Because Paul had a list greater than yours. And then he met Jesus. And everything changed. This is what you need to know. Are you still living in that zip code? Do you still live with those grave clothes like Lazarus? Jesus said you can't live with those. He said take those off of him and set him free. And the way to be free from the brokenness of our lives, from these tapes, from these things, from this sin, is life in Jesus, a resurrection life in Jesus. Friends, can I just tell you, you don't have to live in that space anymore. You don't have to live from those lies, from those accusations anymore. Some of your marriages today are being affected by how you grew up. And you need to apply the resurrection power of Jesus to your marriage. Some of you can't beat this demon that's been on your life because you haven't accessed the resurrection power of Jesus. Can I just tell you, listen, there's forgiveness in Jesus. There is new life in Jesus. There is changed life in Jesus. There is abundant life in Jesus, and there is resurrection and life in Jesus. I want us to, to take a look very quickly at four aspects of God's power 
in regard to the resurrection. Very quickly. Number one, God's power raised Christ from the dead. That's powerful, right? To raise Jesus from the dead. Look at, at Peter's message at Pentecost. Acts 2.24, he says, But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. It was impossible for the power of death and the grave to hold Jesus in that tomb. Impossible. God had too much power. And he raised him by his power to new life. Here's the second thing. God has power to save us. Hallelujah. Thank God he has saved me. And he has the power to save me from my sin. Colossians 1.13 says this. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption. That's the payment of our sin. The forgiveness of sins. When God saves you, he takes you from death to life. He takes you from a dominion of darkness and hopelessness and power of the enemy and says, no, 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 he's mine. I've bought and paid for his life and forgiveness. But you need to know, listen, there's only way, one way for forgiveness. One, this is not my uh, understanding. This is God's truth of God's word. And this is Peter again to the Sanhedrin when he's telling them about what they've done to Jesus. He says, there's only one way. To salvation. Acts 4.12 says, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Not another religion, not another name, not another system. There is only one way, one gospel, one truth. His name is Jesus. You will find it nowhere else. And if you look for it, you'll come up empty every time. God has the power to raise Jesus from the dead, the power to save us from our sins. He has the power also to change us. 2 Corinthians 13, 4, Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church. He says, he is not weak in dealing with you, but is powerful among you. For he was crucified in weakness, but lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but in dealing with you, we will live with him by the power of God. God wants to give you power, even in difficult situations, and Paul was in one. <laughs> and yet he says, we'll live by God's power. He wants to give you resurrection power to change your life and for you to live with that resurrection power. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things are passed away. Behold, the new things have come. Right? You're new. You're not who you were. You're who he wants you to become. Behold, the old things are gone. New things should be in place. And he has the power to change us. Romans 8, 11 says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Again, it's not talking about resurrection at the last day. It's talking about life today. If the Spirit of God lives in us and we've been saved by Jesus, by His grace, by His power, then He has given us His Spirit that dwells in us to live. To live a resurrected life of change. Lastly, I want you to know, I think it's important for us to say this on this day. God also has the power to raise our bodies at the, at the, at the last day because of the resurrection. I love this. 1 Peter 1, 3 says, 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. We have a living hope. Every day as we live, we, we have a hope that goes with us. This is not the end. I couldn't talk to my mom last night, but this is not the end. I'll see her again. I have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Our God is so powerful, powerful enough to raise Christ from the dead, to save your soul from your sin, to change your life from who you were to who God wants you to be, and to raise your dead body to a resurrected body. Praise God for his power. But the question I have for you before we go this morning is this. What does the resurrection have to do with me today, now? You might say, I believe those things, but my life is a mess. <laughs> I believe those things, but my marriage is a wreck. My finances are a wreck. My kids, I, I, life's not perfect here, right? We know that. It's a broken place. And I'm not saying that we won't have trouble. We will. Jesus promised it. We will have difficulty. Life is not easy. But he also said we can have resurrection power in life. Abundant life. What does that look like when it comes to the brokenness of your soul? I said this on Friday in our Good Friday service. Um, when Jesus died on the cross, and when he rose from the grave, all history changed. Everything changed. God reclaims power from the enemy. Through the resurrection, Jesus stands victorious over sin and the grave. I like the way uh, theologian N.T. Wright puts it. He says, something happened, clearly, that has unleashed this new kind of power into the world. That something is the chain-breaking, idol-smashing, sin-abandoning power called forgiveness, called utter gracious love, called Jesus. Everything changed. And it didn't just change so that you can have a ticket to heaven and a resurrected body. God wants to do something in your life today. He wants you to be able to live from a place of power, immeasurable greatness, and power, and might working through you and the brokenness of your story. So I, I just have to ask this question as we close. Do you understand that the same power that raised Christ from the dead can live in you through Jesus? Okay, I, I, I've heard that. What does it mean? It means all this laundry list of brokenness can be affected by the resurrection power of Jesus. Did you know that? You don't have to live with those things that way anymore. Doesn't mean you won't have them, but you'll have a different perspective. Doesn't mean you won't face difficulty, but you'll have a different strength going through it. When you leave today, and you think of your laundry list, when you, you get back to real life and all these things come glaring back to your reality, will you stop? And go, wait, 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 I think I can apply the resurrection power of Jesus to this thing. Or will you just go to lunch today? That was another Easter message. 
You see, we were studying through Ephesians, and I saw that. I said, Lord, if you can change Paul so drastically by your spirit and by your power, you can change me. Because I'm a wretch. Because I'm broken. And my list is probably longer than most. And if you can change him and you can use him, you can change me and you can use me. And he can change you and he can use you. Do you believe, Jesus asked Martha. And I ask you, do you believe? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. And I want to ask you to do something. As your head's bowed and your eyes are closed, would you just take a, a thought and think about that thing in your life? What is your greatest stress in life? Your greatest struggle, fear, doubt, pain, wound, baggage, sin, however you want to look at it. What is the thing that is infecting your life and is so painful right now? What is it? And what does it look like to apply the resurrection power of Jesus to that thing? To that brokenness? What does it look like? As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I just want to ask this question. If you were to say today, you know what, I've never trusted Jesus to be my Savior. If I were to die today, I don't even know if I would go to heaven. If you would say that, I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to ask you to come up here or make, embarrass you in any way. Would you just pop up your hand and say, hey, pray for me. I'm not sure if I would go to heaven. I don't know. If that's you this morning, would you do that? Just say, hey, I don't know. Thanks. Thank you. I'm just going to give a moment. I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to pray for you. If you would be honest and say, I'm just not sure. I don't know. Anybody else? You can just put your hand up and write back down. Okay. 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 Just put them right back down. Anybody else? We'll just wait a moment. I'm not sure. Pray for me. Maybe you're a Christian today and you'd say, you know what? I've been living in grave clothes. My life smells like death because I can't get out of this sin that, that has been a part of my life. I can't get the tapes to stop playing in my head of who I was instead of who Christ wants me to be. And I need to live with resurrection power. If you're a believer today and you'd say, would you pray for me? That's me. I need that change in my life. Would you just put your hand up and write back down so I can pray for you? Thank you. Anybody else? Thanks. Everybody look right here just for a moment if you would. In just a minute we're going to pray. I'm going to pray for those things. But I, I don't want to leave you hanging. I want to tell you how to have resurrection power. Because Paul gives us a pretty great template to go by. See, it's not some self-help mantra that you can just say something over and over and then all of a sudden you have resurrection power. I'm afraid it's not that easy. You can have resurrection power. You can have a changed life. You can know hope and peace and all the things that Jesus wants you to have. And Paul gives us sort of uh, a template here. Not unlike what Jesus said to do. Do you remember what Jesus said to do? He said, if you want to follow me, deny yourself give up your wants deny yourself pick up your cross daily and follow me 
and the way Paul puts it in his life. Philippians 3, 8 says, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord. He's denying himself. For his sake I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith, Ephesians 2. And then listen to this. Paul says, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. That I may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. I want you to notice, he talks about two different resurrections, doesn't he? That I know the power of the resurrection in my life. And that when I die, I'll know the resurrection of Jesus. You can have the power of the resurrection, but it comes with, only with, surrender. It only comes with submission. It only comes with acknowledgement of your sin and laying down your life, denying yourself, taking up the cross of Christ, and following Jesus. So here's my question as we close. Are you ready? You ready for those things to end, those tapes to stop? Or to know how to deal with them at least? Through the power of the resurrection of Jesus? Then I'm going to say come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. In a moment we're going to pray. We're going to have a time of prayer in our altar when the team sings. And I'm going to be down here. We'll have other elders maybe that would come down and join us. And we're welcome, uh, you're welcome to come down and talk with us and pray with us. We would love to help you find this hope through the resurrection of Jesus. There's freedom in him. There's real joy, real hope, real peace, real abundant life. Do you believe? It's not some theological construct that happens on the last day only, but it, it's a person. It's Jesus. Surrender to him. Submit. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Christ. You know, I have a friend, uh, Adam Brown. I love him very much. He's become one of my dear friends. And Adam has been so kind as to share part of his story with us today. Adam would say that he has a pretty long laundry list of brokenness. But he also believes in Jesus. And he also believes in the power of a resurrected Jesus. And the power that he has in his life. Recently we got to film Adam telling some of his story. And I want you to see it this morning. Really how it all started uh, for me. Um, and it's the story of redemption. Sin. I mean just a whole, whole life of sin. I am an addict alcoholism, drug use. Uh, I think the crazy thing is most people look at me and have no idea. I left my wife and my children uh, living um, away from them and just really doing all the things I wanted to do, all the things that I felt pleasure in, uh, just fulfilling my flesh fulfilling my wants, my needs, 
Um, everything that I, I did was, it was me. It was what I wanted. Um, and it was just spiraling. I mean, it, you know, it started off as just a casual pill here and there. And next thing I know, I, I don't, don't know how I got here. It's not just me I was hurting. It's others I was hurting. Um, and the biggest hurt is that I know I was breaking God's heart. Sitting on my couch one night, and my wife had presented me with a letter um, filing for divorce, telling me that she could not go down the path that I was going. And uh, she, I, that I was leading a path that she could not follow. And uh, that my, my kids were gonna be gone. Everything that I had loved and cherished was gonna be gone. And um, I was doing all this just to numb out all the outside world. You know, I was, I used to think drugs and alcohol were the problem. And I realized it's just a symptom of the problem. It, it was a heart issue. It was a problem with me. I was using these things to numb my mind, my heart, my body, so that I wouldn't feel the pain of the world. That night I drank heavily, uh, took some pills, and uh, I just, I kept feeling this tugging, the come back, come back, come back. And uh, I was sitting on the couch one night and I literally got up, dumped out the pills, dumped out all the alcohol in my house, um, got down, prayed, but I was really praying and apologizing for how much pain I'd caused and how much I'd hurt Christ in my life, being my Lord and Savior and not allowing him to rule my life. That's what I wanted. I, I, I knew I could already feel peace. I could already feel things coming back in that moment. I could already feel a difference in that exact moment, that quickly, of a strength and a peace that I, I didn't have before. When I say from death to life, I mean, I was on a path of death and now I'm alive. I was on a path of no peace. Now I have peace, I have mercy, I have grace. Uh, and they're not powers I have, they're powers that I have through the Holy Spirit in me. It's, 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 it's completely changed everything about me and my view I don't, I don't know how else to say it um, other than I'm alive today. It's, it's amazing, completely amazing.